Hello, everybody, and welcome back to ESI for All, the Esports Insider podcast, where we aim to shed a light on the diverse people and organizations that make up the esports community. I'm joined today by Annabelle Ashley Anthony, the founder of Melanin Gamers. How are you doing this sunny afternoon, Annabelle? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for asking. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Definitely enjoying uh, having some sunnier days and some uh, longer evenings with the, with the sunshine. That's true. Uh, so first off, tell us about Melanin Gamers. Sure. Um, so Melanin Gamers is a gaming community that promotes inclusion and diversity in the video games industry. Um, we do panel talks, tournaments, networking events. And we showcase um, different people of colour in the industry as well. Amazing. Um, so I'm going to move on to just talk to you a little bit more about your personal experiences and, and also, you know, uh, what it's like being a, a person of colour in, in the esports industry, in the gaming industry. Um, what's your personal history with esports? Um, I guess it's with gaming in general, because um, what we do, we work with a lot of schools, colleges and um, universities and trying to get people um, into the industry, skilled up, um, understand what it is like to work in the industry as well um, because there's still a lot of I don't want to say ignorance but like a misunderstanding about working in gaming and also a stigma attached to that and it not being I don't know a viable career path as well yeah so uh, what challenges have you personally experienced as a person of color in the gaming industry um I guess in terms of the toxicity online, I've experienced a lot of that. Um, personally, um, when I'm like gaming, when I'm streaming, it can be quite difficult. Um, certain opportunities I feel like are given to certain creators of a certain demographic. And there's a lot of gatekeeping involved in the industry when it comes to costs, which is one thing that I noticed last year. Um, location, a lot of things are in London, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of things are very expensive to get to. You don't even know some of these things exist. Uh, so so that's what I mentioned about education. So with me personally, it was not knowing. Like, I, I'm a writer. That's my trade. That's kind of what I do. I never knew that the um, a games... And I love gaming. I didn't know there was such a thing as a games writer until, like... I want to say, like, five years ago. Um, and I was like, what? That would have been, like, a perfect career for me. Uh, so that's what I'm saying about the education side of things, of like not knowing certain things because we're not in spaces where other people know as well. So so it's not like our teachers' fault because they don't know either. Um, and so it's I, that's, that's why I think it's something that's a bit of gatekeeping um, in the industry as well, especially um, when it comes to people of colour. Um, we, we don't get access to some of these opportunities. We don't know about them. And then also the skill, <clears throat> the skill gap. Um, we know about this thing and now we need the skills to get it. So it's just like, that's why it's so important the work we're doing with the youth because we they need to know and then get the skills before like they can even join this industry. Yeah, it's uh, esports and, and gaming. Is, it's one of those industries where it's kind of like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And if those people aren't sharing what they know mm-hmm. with people of colour, then it's it's there's no invitation to join. You know what I mean? And, and it's... Uh, it, so it can definitely be, uh, yeah, like you said, gatekeeping for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what steps do you think the industry can take to 
address this um i know that you said about like education but do you think there's sort of like a wider task at hand in order to to make sure that we're sharing what we have in this community with everyone uh yeah definitely sharing of skills um um networking schemes that they can put on you know that are specifically targeted for um like women for people who for people of color like so that to get them into the industry internships workshops that kind of thing that are not charged or maybe also come with um some funding because sometimes you want to go for something but because of like your social economic circumstances you can't go for it you can't work for free even though maybe you need to do an internship that's um that's not paid that sort of stuff so they need to talk about um leveling the playing field you know some people are coming from this they're so far back they don't even have the means to do some of these things so it's not just about putting on these workshops it's also about um making sure that these spaces are safe you know um for people of color to come into these workspaces i will there's um there's an analogy that um Sefas william used in one of his talks and he said if someone came to your house and they were in a wheelchair you would move things out of the way for them because obviously they're in a wheelchair so you'd move things out of the way for them you wouldn't expect um them to be able to navigate your house like someone who could an able-bodied person could walk so that's the same thing you know it's not just oh come into these fields but are these fields are things things maybe need to be moved around so that they also feel comfortable in these fields that sort of thing so we're also talking about retention um so there's a lot of things that the industry itself could do there's so many things that they could do um at, on a larger scale too it's it's like they're doing some of these things but they are i guess maybe black history month that kind of stuff you know or women's history month and it's just like are we talking about one month in the whole year that's you women exist outside of you know the much the month of march uh black people that exist outside of the month of october so um they, they could be doing so much more especially with schools and also um especially with people who also want to get back in who maybe are transferring um from one industry to another so they maybe are their mid their mid-level in the industry that they're currently in but how do they they will definitely have transferable skills but how do they do that and that's a problem that we're having with quite a lot of our um, community members um, who want to, who are in a certain field right now, but would love to transfer into gaming and they don't know how to do that. Um, so there's a, there's loads of different things that gaming can, the industry itself could do, organisations could do uh, to level the playing field. Yeah, I've talked uh, in a previous podcast uh, with Robin from Gaming Magazine about companies that just do Pride Month and then mm. <laughs> throughout the rest of the year do absolutely nothing else. So it's definitely like the, the token show your mm -hmm. support mm -hmm. for, like you said, that month and then nothing else. And, and uh, you also made a really good point about making those spaces safe and welcoming. And instead of just being like, why don't we have more people of colour in our space when we want them to be here but then when you actually take a look at what you've got going on that there isn't the necessary like things in place to make sure that you're welcoming them into an environment that they are then going to want to stay in exactly um, yeah and, and also like they're talking about the barriers to entry so what do you think are the biggest barriers to entry for esports and gaming for people of color i think it's um not understanding how maybe to apply and what way to apply. Sometimes it's also who to talk to. Um, some uh, organisations, I was talking to someone yesterday, they do blind um, 
interview processes that those also have their problems but um it's like how how is it in, how is the practice of even recruiting where are you recruiting and what spaces are you recruiting are you recruiting on certain spaces that you know um probably don't have a very um diverse demographic like there are so many different things like make sure that you're reaching out to different organizations like there's there's black girls who code they um women in tech black women in tech like are you are you promoting whatever your height your height um the, the position in diverse spaces are you making sure you're doing that um are you making sure that your your company is on a level which um they have put in certain practices. Maybe they do need a DNI person in there. Like, what are, what are the steps you're taking to making sure that you're not only hiring in a way that's um, authentic and will attract um, diverse talent, but also that when they come into work, you have retention to keep them and that you're listening to them as well. So there's different things that, um, like dynamics as well, the language choice that you're using, like, do they fit in with the culture at work? What does that mean? There's so many different things that they can do to make sure that even uh, the application process, the the words on the applications are um, appealing to a wider range of people, you know. So I think there is a lot of things that they can do and they, they're, they're sort of already out there. It's not like, oh, how do we come up with this new solution? The solution exists. <laughs> it's just not been implemented. Yeah, and, and I always say that it's one of those things as well when, when people ask me the question, how can I get more diverse people to apply for the jobs that we're putting up and and I think one of the main things is take a look at your current staff um, mm. and if if you're looking for people to join your company and they look at your current staff and they don't see anybody like them they don't see anybody that shares spaces with them they don't see anybody they think that could relate to them especially in a in a professional standpoint then they're not going to not necessarily going to work for your company they're not going to want to to be around people that have no idea what it is to work as a person like that you know what I mean like you mm -hmm. look at a company and it's all women I think I don't necessarily want to work there or you feel uncomfortable so it's also about taking a look at what you've currently got going on internally before you even think about expanding and before you even ask yourself the question why aren't people of color applying for my open positions and like you said a lot of the times they're just popping it on indeed or popping it on LinkedIn and thinking job's done that's it but there are mm -hmm. so many places and they're not hard to find so that's many cool. places that you can be advertising your job roles and communities that you could be discussing with discord um communities discord servers and things like this and and also another one is ask ask somebody who you respect or who you think is doing it well or you look at their company work up and you think that is an excellent diverse inclusive and fun workplace to and 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 I will ask them, ask them what they're doing. Oh, hire a DNI. Um, oh yeah, you know, exactly. Like, don't just go to like the one black um employee you have and say, well, how do because are they being paid for like, and what do they maybe know about DNI themselves? So exactly, that, that kind of happens where they will just be like, oh, so how do we get more black? And you're just like, wait, what? What are you asking me exactly? You know, so <laughs> making sure that you're doing it right, and and that maybe if you have to hire the talent for it you do it correctly as opposed to just going to the first black employee you see because yeah. that just won't, you know. It, won't it, is, it is not the job of every person of colour to educate you on issues surrounding exactly. people of colour. And that's the same for, like, all, all marginalised people. I've said this over and over and over again. 
It is not their job to educate you. It is your mm -hmm. job to educate yourself. And also, it is your job to hire people that can educate you. So bringing in outside training, like you said, hiring a DNI uh, employee. So I'm an EDI executive, so that's part of my role as well. Mm -hmm. So it's it's literally, if you don't know, pay somebody who does know, and that's important. You should pay them because this is advice. This is expertise. This isn't just a friendly conversation. Like if you want to do it right, you should pay somebody who knows what they're doing and who knows how to reach out and who knows how to improve what you've currently got going on. Exactly. Um, how do you think we can encourage more diversity and representation in the gaming industry, both in terms of like the workforce, but also like professional players and things like that? In terms of professional players, I think the same thing can be implemented in terms of um, schemes and things like that, because that's a problem that we're actually having now um, with some of the members saying, how do I get into esports? It's like I'm doing everything correctly, but I don't know who do I ask, who do I do this? And I think that um, they should do schemes that are specifically targeted to help people of colour getting into esports, you know, um, helping them with funding because that's that's a huge thing when it comes to trying to dedicate a lot of your time because it's it's like any sports you have to have you, you train like for example my brother um he puts time into aim training he puts time into scrims he puts time into all all of these things um that they're putting a lot of time into and it's also about funding um a lot of I'm not saying all people of color but um people from certain demographics come from lower economic standpoints. So it's harder for them to put in the time and and having it paid off as fast as well, you know, based on their white counterparts. So their time that they're putting in is not is not showing the level of return that their white counterparts are getting. They're getting signed, they're getting this, they're getting that. So I think that they need to be doing... Um, sort of schemes running schemes like this this is specifically targeted like i see some of these um scrims that are like women or people who identify as them i'm just like those are really great because also those spaces are protected as well and it's easier to be able to train when you know that the space you're in is you can be yourself you can relax and that sort of thing and i think that they need to be doing more things like that to encourage people to, because it's not just about training then you have to worry about like my other brother i have two brothers um he was trying to um, get to Grandmaster in Overwatch, but his team were being, his own team, mind you, not the enemy team, his own team were being racist towards him. So not only is he under pressure because of um, the game itself and, tr and, and grinding out the game and all that sort of stuff, but it's now you have to deal with these added things. So I think that there needs to be, um, I think there needs to be schemes. I don't know if... Esports organizations need to do this, or the games themselves need to do this. But I think a lot of esports organizations, I think they should take the initiative and try and roll out some of these schemes um, for people who they feel like need it, who also have the talent to, again, when we're talking about equity, we're talking about um, leveling the playing field so that it's actually level. Because I was at the AOGS earlier this year, and there wasn't a single woman there and i'm like i know women who who are at that level who have that skill level but it's like finding out why exactly they're not there they are they good of course they are they have the skill they have the talent why aren't they in these spaces and actually asking yourself what you can do to make it easier for them to be in it there wasn't a single black person there either why aren't they there they do have the skill level um and then trying to implement things that will bring them into this you know 
because it's it's nicer to see when you actually see representation you know when that when it's authentic as well as opposed to just having a token yeah i think something really important that you said there that not a lot of people know about is the difference between equality and equity mm-hmm. um and equality is obviously providing everybody with the same resources but like you said that uh, that's not always the way it works um people sometimes people need more resources in order to even be on the same level as the people that have what they've got at the moment so equity is about making sure that everybody has what they need individually Mm. to to reach the the same point as everybody else and I think one of the main issues with um esports in particular is that um you're expected to work for free when you start working in esports and having the ability to work for free often comes with having white privilege like you said, um, it, it's it's one of those things where when you come from a socioeconomic background where you don't have, for example, like parents that have loads of money that will support you working for free. And it's, it's one of those things where you find, like you said, not all people of color, but a lot of people of color just don't have the resources or the money or the funds available in order to do things for free because who can afford to do things for free anymore? Exactly. And it's um, it's just one of those things where Esports is is very, you need to work for free and you need to grind and you need to work outside of your allotted hours. And if you're really passionate about it, you'll do it. But it's not about passion. It's about access to resources. Mm -hmm. Um, That is correct. That is about the access. It's really, really about the access to some of these things. And it's just not there. There's also them not even knowing that, oh, I didn't realize that there was this thing on or that thing on. And again, it's like, where are you advertising some of these scrims? Where are you advertising some of these events? Like what spaces are you using to advertise these events in? And who's be, who, who gets to see it often? You know, that's also another thing that has to be addressed as well. Yeah, like a lot of people that work in esports marketing that I've come across haven't done any sort of training in inclusive marketing. And that's the thing, like when you learn marketing, uh, you're learning about social media, you're learning about like PPC ads and things like that, but you're not learning about how to be inclusive with uh, where you're putting, like you said, where you're putting these ads, like where you're trying to find people to come to your events or join your scrims or join your teams or watch it online and things like that. And if you're not putting those marketing materials in front of the eyes of diverse people, you're not going to get diverse people coming to them exactly and then you're gonna get like toxic players saying well maybe they're just aren't good maybe they aren't interested and then that's like a whole other conversation within itself yeah definitely definitely and it's the same it's it's a similar conversation that always happens to oh women are just terrible at esports it's like no they just don't want to play games with you because you Mm -hmm. make them feel uncomfortable exactly uh so how can allies and non-poc individuals help create a more inclusive and equitable gaming community I think the first and foremost is actually listening and believing. That's one of the things that I find the most difficult. When you say something and you call it out, are you sure is that's what you saw? Are you sure that's what they meant? Are you? And it's just like, it's the deflation you feel when that's someone's first um, thing that they say. It's like, like, oh, I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. Exactly. You weren't there. (laughs) And sometimes there is room for that. But it's in the first instance ask listen listening is first listen to everything and then ask in a respectful way okay so 
do you think they meant it did it or do you think that is i think you can still say maybe they didn't mean it that way but if you're not listening if your first knee-jerk reaction is no, no no they didn't mean it that way you haven't even listened listening is the first thing you need to be doing when it comes to these things because you cannot understand and when someone's trying to explain it to you try to feel what they're feeling you know and that is the first thing that you need to to do is to listen and then to ask afterwards and then to help in a way that's not like a white savior coming and swooping in but like assisting and you can do that in different ways and based on a relationship you have with somebody for example i go to so my, um a lot of these events mostly when i first started mg because i am quite introvert quite an introvert and it was really difficult for me to like network and stuff like that i went with my brother my um alan the overwatch player and sometimes i would be talking in a room and then they would i'd get people talking over me a lot of guys um i'm afraid that was my personal experience a lot of guys would talk over me when i was saying something um and then they would address it to my brother and then he would say i think my sister was saying something anna you were saying and that for me was very helpful in our dynamic so that i could take over you know not not him just um reiterating what i said or saying what i was said but let me say it in my own words again redirect the conversation the, the um, attention back to me again and in that dynamic that I found very helpful from him you know some people maybe they would like that the person they're with to explain it instead or maybe they wanted to speak up again but at that time I wasn't able to always speak up and I like that he was there to be to lean on to be able to bring it back again to me if I had such situations like that happen so in the dynamic of our relationship that worked for me so also find out the dynamic that works for you because that is a thing where it's not one size fits all with allyship, where it's just like, oh, this is what you do. I'll come in and I'll make sure that they hear you. That doesn't work for everybody. It worked for me then. Now, of course, I can I can just be like, actually, I was just saying, this is what I was saying, actually. I'm like, Excuse <laughs> I'm me. fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, hello, I think I was saying this. <laughs> now I can do that because I'm, I'm more comfortable um, in my voice. But then I couldn't. So it's also learning the, 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 the shifts as well, where it's just like, no, I think she's got this. I'm going to wait as well. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, um, it's not, an, it's not an, uh, a difficult thing to be an ally to somebody at all. It really isn't. It's about listening and understanding them and then helping them in any way that you see fit and saying that, do you need my help in this situation? You know, sometimes they don't and sometimes they do. So don't don't think that, oh, well, I don't want to be, I, 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 I will never understand. I will try to understand, try to do things to understand, educate yourself as well. There are people who don't mind educating you, you know, some of my friends sometimes come to me and say, oh, this, 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 and that other times Google is still free. Last I checked, you know, there are <laughs> loads of books out there. There are so many books out there, podcasts. There are just so many things that you can go to, to educate yourself. You know, and then maybe there are friends that you could be like, oh, I know this friend will be able to explain it to me. Then go to them with that. Not I've read this thing online. What do you like? Don't don't do that. That that you will not do. <laughs> so it's also about power dynamics and the friendships that you have. Uh, listen and learn as well, because even I'm still listening and learning about because when you work, there's intersectionalities when it comes to this sort of stuff. Um, and don't think that oh, I'm a person of color. I get everything that. No, no, I don't understand everything that other people who go through as well, you know. Um, I'm a disabled, I have sickle cell anemia. I count myself as, uh, as having a chronic condition. I don't say that now I understand all disabilities. And I, I completely understand how you feel. I also have a disability too, so I know, no, I don't. 
I know what it feels like to have a chronic condition. I know what it feels like to have sickle cell. That doesn't mean I know what it feels like who, everyone who has it too. So there's also that caveat that I will add where it's just like, just because maybe you are a person doesn't mean you understand what everybody else is going through. Because everyone's stories is different and black people are not a monolith, you know? So yeah. it's, it, it's, it's as and when you, you take these things as well. Yeah, then and that's the same goes for me. I'm also a disabled person, but don't even pretend to know what it's like to to be a quadriplegic or things like that. Mm-hmm. There are so many different facets to each community you're a part of, and to pretend like you know everything about what everybody's feeling and experiencing is 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 just not true. Um, in order to be a true ally, like you said, teach yourself it's Mm. it's it's a constant thing it's not just a one day you can say oh i'm an ally now this is how we're going to be doing this it's it's you have to constantly learn more read more watch more there's panels there's talks there's books there's podcasts there's like you said uh friends if if that's the kind of relationship that they're comfortable having in, in in that sense it's just you can't just slap an ally badge on and be like, this is it, I'm sorted now. It's it's exactly. a constant thing that you have to work on. So have you seen any positive examples of racial inclusion and diversity in esports and gaming? And how do you think we can build on these examples to create lasting change? Um, in terms of esports, I, I haven't seen it um, yet. I suppose uh, here in London, I, I'm not seeing enough of it um, for it to be something. I, I'm only seeing maybe a one-off, um, and even then, I'm just like, are they on the main team, you know, or are they just signed as a content creator? Because I also feel like that's something a lot of teams do, where they all sign people who they actually wants to go pro, but oh, you can be a content creator for them. And I think it's, I don't think it's a right thing to just so that their roster looks diverse. But actually, the pro players are still white males. Um, and I'm seeing that quite a bit. Um, and I feel like it's a step backwards because they can still kind of tick the diversity check because their content creators are uh, people of colour. They've got more women on their content creator sites, but have they got more women as pros? Um, so it's just like, how is diversity being sort of um, divvied up kind of thing? I think, I, I mean, I've said what they could do in terms of like schemes and stuff um, and taking a chance and taking risk and funding that sort of stuff that's a really big thing um in this space games that are doing it correctly in terms of diversity there's quite a few games now um not really esports more indie games that i feel like they're doing diversity absolutely chef's kiss and i think that's because more indie games i found um the devs are from diverse backgrounds so you'll see that they'll create diverse games um and that's sort of like a, a natural um, thing that i see because you want to you have a diverse team you create a diverse game it kind of follows yes. you don't have a diverse team you will not really i'm not saying non-diverse teams can't create but from what i've seen from what i've experienced um, my own personal experiences um it kind of follows that diverse teams create diverse games yeah um, and better games and more in-depth games because everyone's mm-hmm. bringing things from like their own walks of life but if you have the same kind of person recruited from the same area it was just be like an echo chamber. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> no one's questioning anything. Everyone has the exact same idea. Everyone's co-signing their idea. And only people who look like them too. Um, so I definitely think maybe it's, it's worth a look at the indie space um, as well. 
But for the pros, I really do think that they need to be doing more, these organizations, in terms of their hiring processes, in terms of the scrims they're putting on, where they're advertising it. As you said, like the marketing for that, even the word choice that you're using, um, like that maybe maybe all of these people just need to be hiring DNI consultants so yeah. that they know yeah. <laughs> like I just think that's maybe that should be a standard across the board. One hundred percent. Because I don't know how they can learn if they're not taught by somebody who's already in the know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Yeah. So definitely. I just I really hope that's the future going forward that they just hire DNI consultants and then they're just like, look, this is where you're going wrong. And that's fine. No one's expecting you to get it correct, but it's when you stay doing the same stuff over and over again, then it seems intentional. Yeah. And uh, I think you made a couple of excellent points there that I'm always reiterating in in my podcast and and also on on panels and stuff. And it's that diverse people make diverse games. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also where we see uh, marginalized people actually spending more money on PCs and peripherals than we do uh, the rest of the, the, the people is because that's where the indie games are and that's yeah. where people are seeing games that reflect what they want to see and, and people like them and um and, and definitely uh you also mentioned about ticking that diversity box and often that is like a requirement in order to say that you're a diverse company do you think that like governmental bodies should get more involved in gaming and, and diversity and making it sort of compulsory for having diverse people on on your uh, on your staff or do you think that will cause more issues than that might cause more issues that might cause more issues because then you might be hired um out of tokenism yeah you know and it's just like oh okay we've we've gotten the one black face and we've gotten one woman in and then you know it's just like then your skill will always be called into question when probably you are you you're most likely good enough or maybe better than the people who are there but forever we'll just be like, well, you have to be here because the government is forcing us to make you here kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think these organisations themselves should be able to realise that they should be doing more themselves as opposed to be having to be strong-armed, you know, um, by a government saying that, oh, make sure you're diverse. Like, isn't that something you should be doing anyway? Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, in your opinion, um, what impact do you think lack of representation in these companies and in these teams and on-air talent um, and just general people of colour in mainstream gaming culture, uh, what effect do you think that has on young people of colour? I think it has a like a trickle-down effect of you. Um, it's, it's you can't be what you can't see. You don't ever see anybody that looks like you in these spaces. You, it's hard to relate. I don't think it's possible to relate because some people can still relate. But it's harder to relate, like, could I make it if nobody who looks like me has ever made it before? Are these spaces for me? What will these spaces be like when I get in there if nobody looks like me, you know? So there's that part. Some people are still breaking barriers and, and, and go into these spaces even though they know no one looks like them. But it makes it by far more difficult. Um, that's why we're so on showcasing people of colour. Like, look all these people who look like you. They're doing it. You can do it too. And sometimes it's literally that simple this person looks like me, they've done it, I can do it too. Like, that is how simple sometimes a human brain works. There's, there's nobody there that looks like me, can I even do it? Will I even relate to it? Um, and as a young person, you you will be asking yourselves those things, you know? You're already in that vulnerable space of finding your identity and all that sort of stuff without having this added pressure of 
do I have to be the first one to break down this door? You know, that is something that a lot of black people don't actually like. I was the first. What? I was the first person in the history of the world. That is insane to me, though. Sometimes those stats that I hear, you're proud of them for doing it. But it's just like, did it really take us this long? Yeah, even now with like the like the Oscars, I think I saw a tweet last week, which was like uh, one of the actresses was the second person of color to ever win that award. And I was like, yeah, Michelle, yeah, I think she was also the first ever Asian woman. it's so ridiculous that these these barriers are still haven't been like you said broken down or Mm, things like that like and while it is good that it's happening it it's happening far too late like these things should have it's alarming it's it is alarming definitely um do you how do you see the intersection of race and gender playing out in the gaming industry well, that's also another thing. I, I take, I um, manage the MG Twitch stream. So we have streamers um, on our channel. And most, the when I see the analytics of the trolls and the comments and the hate, the black women get it the worst, you know? So it's, it's not just you're a woman, you're also black as well. And so you're getting the hatred based on your gender and based on your race. And then sometimes you throw in, because some of um, our members are part of the LGBTQ. So it's just like, they're getting it like from every single angle. And so like, yeah. how how do you exist in this world where like, it seems like everything's geared to, to hate you. Yeah. Um. And so there there is that intersectionality of, it, it makes it even more difficult. It adds more layers of stuff that it's harder for you to exist in certain spaces. And sometimes you don't want to because it's so difficult that actually, you know what, I'd rather stop doing this. I'd rather stop playing this game. I'd rather stop this. And that's what I'm talking about with the retention. Why do I have to try so hard when this industry looks like it's designed against me? I don't think I want to be here anymore. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I I can, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I don't even have the words to to imagine um, having so many different people just not wanting you to be here. And it's just, yeah. yeah. how do you think recent movements for racial justice and social change, such as Black Lives Matter, impacted the gaming industry and community? I think it, it made a lot of people sit up and realise exactly um, the struggle that we were facing. There was a lot of performative activism um, from some of these bigger corporations when that first happened and or promises that you know were made but have not been kept. With others, though, other companies, those promises sustained. And they they did, like, follow up their action, their words. Then they had actions. And they were like, okay, these are the actions we've taken. How can we now do even more? And that was amazing to see um, because some of them were actually genuine. and But it was majority weren't. But the ones who were, it, it was like, it's bittersweet because why did it have to take something like this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for you guys to see that you know what we've been screaming at to the heavens has been a real thing um but at the same time it's like you're finally taking notice but these like there's baby steps happening and i think we were we're kind of too comfortable with baby steps we need some like full-grown adult jogging now or some running (laughs) you know it's like oh baby steps baby steps no no it's okay to say baby steps when you're coming from a place of privilege and your life is fine when you're coming from a place of you're struggling every day, baby steps is just not good enough anymore. It's not enough, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you think the COVID-19 pandemic impacted the gaming industry, particularly in terms of racial disparities and inequalities? 
Um, I think in terms of COVID, a lot of people were at home and were able to maybe see some of these communities a bit more. I I think it goes in tandem with the whole um, what happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement because that was all throughout COVID. And I think because the world stood still, there was sort of a magnifying glass on certain things. And maybe issues that would have gone ignored largely and have um, were amplified and were seen for the first time ever. So that's what I'm saying. Like some companies did actually make sustained choices that they made then that are, they are still continuing to make now. Um, which is really good. Yeah. Okay. That that's great. Thank you. Um, so, what advice would you give to young people of color who are interested in pursuing careers in in esports or gaming? I think that they should educate themselves. That they should definitely go for it because we need more people like them in the industry right now, especially as a young person. Um, they shouldn't get discouraged. There's something that my brother always says, learn to rest, not to quit. It can get exhausting. Um, this, you know, it's like all oh, the race card. It's like the only card you've been dealt, you know? And it's just like, you you, you want to be a person as opposed to a black this and a black that. And uh, like, you're a whole person that exists, you know? I'm a whole person that exists. I like baking. I like rollerblading i like writing i like gaming there's like i'm black i'm this i'm that like it's you want to be more than just your race your race is part of you and it makes up a beautiful part of you but you want to be more than that and i think that's what these companies also need to realize that oh we have to get these black gamers and like you you know you just want to be a gamer you that's that's actually what we just wanted to do in the first place we just wanted to game (laughs) but we had to start meddling gamers because we couldn't just exist in a space freely you know, and I think that can discourage people, but they shouldn't be discouraged because change is happening and them being in a space is part of that change and succeeding is part of that change. And they don't realise like the impact that has on them and their peers as well. You know, I love it when I'm seeing um, different people. I'm like, oh, OK, there's more of us in this space now. We're getting comfortable here. Um, the space is getting more diverse. And that's like every single person has accounted for that. So don't give up um learn to rest not to quit because sometimes it is difficult and draining on your mental health but that's what rest is for let's keep going that's what i would say that's great advice that's uh that's that's really good um so i'm going to move on to some final segments uh which i do in every episode um which is two truths and a lie so i'm going to read you um three facts um about race and gaming and esports and i want you to tell me which one of them is the lie okay Okay, you ready number one according to a survey by women in games only five percent of board members in the gaming industry are from black asian or minority ethnic backgrounds number two according to a report by the anti-defamation league 71 percent of black players reported that they have been targeted with racial slurs while playing online And number three, according to a survey by Nielsen, black gamers spend an average of six hours per week playing video games compared to five hours per week for the overall population. I think is the second one a lie? The second one is true. Oh, Uh, is it? Yeah, the first one is a lie. It's actually only 3% of board members in the gaming industry. I thought five was too low. I thought surely it has to be 10 or something. Three? 
yeah. my god. Even worse, even worse than five. Yeah. So apparently, uh, this is a, this is a survey com- completed uh, by women in games. Only three percent of board members in the gaming industry are from Black, Asian, or minority ethnic backgrounds. That is awful. That it is, is. awful. <laughs> I, I, the statistics are probably a slightly different when you look at like esports as a whole because we do have quite a lot of um, Asian business owners within esports, obviously because of the popularity of uh, esports in um, like South Korea and, and things like that. But even even that is uh, is bad. <laughs> and then Seriously. I have another segment that I always have at the end, which is if you could take three things with you to a deserted island, what three things would you take? Okay, three things I would take on a desert island. Hmm. Way to purify water. Um, hmm. You've had people take Nintendo about... Switches. Like, it's, it, how to, it, how you don't need these items. Like yeah. I, think, I think it's safe to say, like, whatever you take will work while it's there. Oh, okay, that's all right then. Um... <laughs> it's a very fancy desert island. <laughs> desert island. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it is. Um... Then yeah, I I'm taking my Nintendo Switch, isn't it? That's um, with hopefully a solar powered charger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and the last thing I would take is probably a first aid kit. Yeah, that's too. also yeah smart. Yeah. Yep. Um, I just wanted to say a massive thank you uh, for coming on on ESI for all. Uh, it has been um, incredible speaking to you and uh, even eye opening for for me as well. So. I hope this uh, helps some of the listeners uh, educate themselves a little more on on um, on issues surrounding uh, race in in gaming and esports. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That's great. Anything coming up with Manon and Gamers at the moment? Uh, we'll be at Insomnia this Saturday, um, which is going to be lots of fun. I think also Comic Con is coming up too. But mostly we're just doing, you know, working schools and stuff like that and some Ghana events as well because we are doing events in Ghana, which is in West Africa. That's amazing. And where can people find you? Oh, you guys can find us everywhere, basically on every social media platform. It's insane. <laughs> so we're at Melanin Gamers everywhere. Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, the whole shebang. That's great. Thank you so much for coming on, Annabelle. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.